Hey everybody, welcome to Women Waken, a holistic guide to wellness and abundant self-love, where we navigate healing, relationships, building self-confidence, and unconditional self-love and acceptance for an abundant life. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. Yeah, non-monogamy is not necessarily just a sexual thing. I just want to throw that out there too. You're not non-monogamous only because you want to have a lot of sex, and that's honestly not really the case. There's a term in the polyamorous community called compersion, and I, as far as I can tell, it was honestly made up by the polyamorous community, and it means the joy that you feel in someone else's joy. And I've been playing around with the thought that that actually is the true meaning of love, or at least closer to the meaning of love than I was understanding. Just being excited about someone else being excited about something. On this episode, I welcome a dear friend of mine, Lisa Melendi. Lisa just started her own coaching business where she works with people on mindfulness and building new paradigms around relationships. On this episode, Lisa shares how some of her work goes into the realm of exploring non-traditional family creation as well as non-monogamy, which she offers some really helpful and insightful information around what non-monogamy can look like, some barriers to it, benefits of it, and the reasons why some people might be resistant or embrace it. Lisa and I also get into how doing inner work is the best way to find true alignment in your relationships and with yourself and others. So take a listen and enjoy. Hey, Lisa. Welcome to the Women Weekend podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited. Excited to have you as well. I'm looking forward to exploring some cool, unique concepts that I haven't really gotten into yet on this show, but that I believe are very important and interesting and that not everyone might know about. So before we reveal that, what those things are to the audience, can you tell us a little bit, Lisa, about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, I'm a massage therapist and I've been working, I've been certified for about 10 years and I've been kind of working part-time for the last six or eight months. I had a, a business previous before as well. I've also been working as a coach, kind of a life and mindset coach. And before that, completely different, I was teaching high school for a while. Um, so I've been a lot of things in a lot of different ways, and I'm feeling really, really good about who I am now. So that's really fun. Fantastic. It's always good to feel good about who you are. <laughs> and what's making you feel good about who you are? These these changes in because our occupation is a big part of our life. So to have something that's more aligned with our true purpose, our true interests, true passions can be powerful. Absolutely. Uh, it's a lot of how do I describe it? A lot of small things that made a lot of sense for me to to completely switch occupations and really come into this line of work. And a lot of it had to do with the kind of the way that you are, the way that high school is, it was just, it was too fast for me. There was, it was a lot going on. I don't want to offend anybody, but I kind of just don't agree with the way that we're doing public school these days. And I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. So I needed to get out of that to help for me to kind of be more aligned with who I am and how I want to interact with people. I was teaching environmental science, which I love and I really believe in and just having to do it in that way I, it was, didn't feel good. I wasn't getting where I wanted to go. I wasn't getting the feelings that I wanted to feel. Yeah. So, so yeah, I decided to leave. And my long-term vision is to incorporate sort of sustainability coaching into my practice as well, a little bit farther down the line. And that's how I'm going to bring back my environmental science passion. Yes. (laughs) And what does that look like? What does sustainability 
I know why I would want a sustainability coach is to help me figure out what products to buy and how to get rid of my waste and how to be most <laughs> environmentally and energy efficient in everything I do. Is that it? Basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what a sustainability coach would do. It also, it's a, it's the biggest part of sustainability coaching is your mindset around the world and sustainability and climate change and everything. A lot of what people are dealing with right now is called eco-anxiety and just like feeling overwhelmed at the state of the world, feeling like it's the end of days, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was that big news article that came out a couple of years ago that we had nine more years until like we couldn't do anything more. And people were, that just froze a lot of people. Whereas nine more years, and that's now seven more years, feels like nothing. But also it's seven whole years, you know, like let's yeah. get out of that mindset of feeling feeling the overwhelm and start channeling that energy into something more productive and aligned for us. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that is a really important thing to be coached on and to have as a part of your personal development plan, if you will. We think of coaching, we seek out coaching when we're looking to work on some sector of our life that feels like it's not where we want it to be, right? And just to your point, I feel that most of us have anxiety that we push aside about the state of the world, of nature, of the planet, what's going to happen. And I think it's hard to not feel like we have no control and that what we do makes zero difference because it's such a global giant issue that has so many really powerful factors affecting it, right? Corporations, big business, manufacturing, all of these things that we feel is out of our control. Yet, there are things at an individual level that we can do. Absolutely. And I think that when we're doing those things, we feel better about ourselves. The same way that when you, if you volunteer, get, are a part of something that you care about, you feel that you are living in accordance with what you believe in. And whenever we act in a way that's aligned with what we speak and do or what we speak and believe, we feel better right? So like switching your diet to be like, I want to do what I feel is most aligned with my ethical beliefs and environmental focus. And you do that and you're like, cool, I'm doing something that's aligned and here I am. And it's the truth. It's true for everything, including relationships, which you also work at helping clients to build new paradigms around relationships so that they can also be more aligned with that their authentic self, that their values can come through that, and be present within a relationship rather than feeling like we have to compromise or change ourselves in a relationship, which never works. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oof. So on that note, why don't you share a little bit about what you're starting with as far as if sustainability coaching is down the road, what are you launching right now? And what's the basis of that? And maybe we can get into this idea around helping people build new paradigms around relationships. Totally. And they're all kind of the same thing. It's building new paradigms around this big thing around you, right? So in terms of relationships, I work a lot with people who feel like they're kind of playing the game and they're not really feeling super aligned in their relationships and it usually turns out that they don't really feel like monogamy is working for them. They don't really, doesn't really work for them. Mm -hmm. They don't feel the need to limit themselves or limit their partners, but they feel all this social pressure. And but they've grown up in, for decades in this culture that basically does monogamy on on the large scale. Mm -hmm. So they don't really have the vocabulary. They don't have the community around letting themselves build that life for themselves. They don't have the structures around them and the support for them to make that mindset shift. They might not have friends who kind of get it. They might not have friends who they can talk to about it. Yeah. They might just be feeling a lot of anxiety and fear over doing something so new. They don't want their partner. If they're with a partner right now and they want to propose this shift in lifestyle, they're really worried that their partner might leave them. Yeah not want to, might not feel comfortable with it, whatever. So a lot of what I do is helping them get really clear with themselves. So inwardly they feel aligned so that outwardly 
they can make the shift for themselves in a good way so that they're not making the shift from a place of fear. Yeah. Could you share a little bit, Lisa, about for those who are not super familiar with it, because we we met because we both lived in the Bay Area, where I am no longer currently, but we'll probably return if it doesn't wash away. Dude. All that rain. Where non-monogamy is pretty big. It's become like fairly prevalent and you hear it a lot and a lot of people are practicing it. But in many other places, it is still very much not really spoken of or acknowledged. So could you share a bit about what that means? About what non-monogamy means? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about just not being monogamous. You are not limiting yourself or your partners to one romantic or sexual partner. You can explore that with other people. Everything's negotiated. You get to decide for yourself and and with your partner what your lifestyle will look like. It's just not limiting yourself in that way. So I could describe all of the various ways that you could be non-monogamous, but in general, it just means that you're allowing your love and your affection and commitment towards other people to be what it is. You're not just deciding that it's this one person. So you're making a, you're making agreements, not necessarily around only being together and it's just the two of you, but you're making agreements that could be very different. I could get into a couple of examples. Like, for example, you could agree that you're not limited sexually, not limited romantically. You could have many other very strong relationships, or you could agree that you're only going to explore sexually with other people. You could agree that you're only going to live with the two of you, but you could see other people. And then it's after that, it's just having conversations about what you want. Is that kind of what you wanted? That yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just think people are not always very aware of what that term actually means in practice, right? Mm-hmm. True. And it's kind of become now that it's the term is out there, it's become like questionably like cheating for from people who don't really understand it. And it's definitely not that. You you've just agreed with your partners that you're not sexually exclusive. It's not So if you are seeing someone else kind of secretly, that's not really being polyamorous. That is still cheating. In my mind, cheating is just the breaking of an agreement. So if you have the agreement that you're not going to be exclusive with someone, then it's seeing other people in those ways. That's not cheating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's what every healthy honest, open relationship is about agreeing to certain terms of the relationship where I think the important thing that is why non-monogamy might want to be brought into a conversation is relationships don't usually work if people try to do things against their will. So I imagine that people find themselves in non-monogamy when they realize that maybe they'd initially agreed upon being solely with another one other person romantically physically emotionally and then realize that they that wasn't for them it didn't work for them and just as you spoke to if somebody then deviates from that agreement without speaking and addressing it with their partner that is infidelity however if two people can come to agreeable terms renegotiated terms around how could we still stay together but both have our needs met So this brings the question, Lisa, which is that there are a lot of people who believe that non-monogamy is not possible because they believe that it's not possible for two people to be able to feel emotionally safe when their partner is engaged with other people, right? That it's, or that it's not possible to love multiple people at the same time or to not have feelings of jealousy all of these things that we're most familiar with, right? If somebody's with somebody else, that means they don't love you. That means that they aren't as devoted to you. But what's the discussion that's going on more and more is that maybe it's just the recognition that love doesn't have to be limited, right? I mean, the I- ideal is that humans will evolve to love much more openly and freely and not keep it as this like, you know, handcuffed type of thing where it's like, we're together now. This is it. If we're really in love, then we don't ever leave each other. Not to say that there aren't people who feel that way, 
right? I know for myself, it's hard for me to wrap my head around non-monogamy just because I have a hard time even finding one person I can have a connection with, let alone thinking about being open to it. But there are people who just love building connection with other people and find that it happens frequently and they have to find a primary partner who's open to that. So I offer all this because again, to open the discussion about what have you learned about how non-monogamy is possible? Whoa, that's a lot. So I want to start first with the question of how do you, how can you fully and truly love two people at the same time? And I want to counter that with if you're a mother or a father or a parent of whatever gender and you have two kids, do you only love one more than the other or do you only love one and not the other one? I would counter that it's absolutely possible for you to have space in your heart for multiple people. You love both of your parents. You love all of your friends. And we've created this paradigm around specific, specifically in the relationships where it can only be the one person. And then you spoke about jealousy. And absolutely, I feel jealousy and jealousy is a very common feeling, but that doesn't have to be the final feeling. I think about jealousy as like a tool to gauge what I'm needing. If I'm feeling jealousy when my partner is out with his other partner, then I can take care of myself to the point where I can really think about it. Uh, I can take space for myself, whatever, and I can decide come to the conclusion that, okay, maybe I just need to be spending more time with them. We haven't been spending time together. Maybe they're doing a specific activity that I really wanted to do. And I'm feeling jealous that he's doing it with someone else. So whatever it is, I'm, I can kind of piece together what I'm feeling the lack of, and then I can just go and ask for it. And then the feelings of jealousy can be processed in that way. I don't need to make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Well, then there's also other, a lot more talk recently that people who believe that monogamy is not possible, that it's not possible to just be attracted and in love with one person and not have desire and feelings for multiple people. So I don't know that that's a question that can be answered, but I just wanted to throw that out, that there are both camps right now that are coexisting and that I don't think either are incorrect, yet they're, it's just, they're just interesting ideas to explore, right? Absolutely. I think that these they need to be whatever you decide should be your decision. You should dis, you should choose it on purpose. If you are monogamous, then you have chosen to be monogamous, and that's amazing. Like I mentioned earlier, there are just people out there who feel like they're playing a game. So I wouldn't want your relationship to be done in such a way where you're feeling like you're just kind of following the rules. Yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What would you say to because what I've heard people who are not open really to non-monogamy, they say that, or yeah, to non-monogamy is that it's something that only men really want because they want to have freedom to sleep with as many people as they can. Yeah. Non-monogamy is not necessarily just a sexual thing. I just want to throw that out there too. You're non-monogamous only because you want to have a lot of sex. And that's honestly not really the case for everybody. Sometimes it is. And I don't believe that it's just for men either. I'd be curious to know what people thought that men were getting out of it. If I were to guess, they thought that they could just kind of be whoever they see, whoever they wanted to see, not really have any boundaries. And I mean, why can't women have that too? Everyone still has their boundaries, but no, it's definitely not just for men. I know a lot of non-monogamous women who have been non-monogamous for a very long time, very successfully. They don't feel limited. They don't feel like they're being used. They don't feel like they're a plaything. Yeah. It's a unique pairing. Well, maybe not unique, but it takes, it's, I imagine it's challenging to find two people who are open, both feel the same way and can do that safely and securely. Cause that's, that's playing on a lot of longstanding human struggles is back to the jealousy thing, but also feeling possessive. Uh, And this goes into a bigger question that I always love asking, which is what is love? And do we as humans really even know what it is or act in love? Because a lot of the way that a lot of the time relationships are more transactional where love is given if it's received in sort of like, well, if you agree to be with me, then I will be with you and I will love you as long as you do what I want you to do. And as long as you are you you give me the love I need. 
where, I mean, to get broader, because this is a spiritual podcast, that's what I, I like to get into, but love is, is unconditional. There, you can't have terms on it. And we've, I mean, we, as we just talked about, I think there's, it's different to say that within a relationship, you create the terms, you stay honest, open, and in accordance with what you've agreed on. And then, and when you can't anymore, then you're no longer, no longer keep that union because it's not what you both want. But outside of that, I think that most people are not doing what is actually love a lot of the time. It's, it's, it's just so conditional, right? Well, as long as you only want me, then I will love you. Well, what if there's, just as you said, and that's a great point, Lisa, when you said you can have your two children and love both of them deeply. Somebody can still love you while they're loving somebody else, but that's a lot for some people to wrap their head around is to let that be okay, that we're not the ones getting all the love. And that, well, if you need that person, then why? Why can't, why am I not enough? I've heard that a lot. People saying like, why? I would feel like I wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I feel like it's, it's trying to hold on to something. And that's another analogy that you hear about love in the spiritual community is love is fear is holding on and love is letting go. Totally. When we let go and we let people be who they want to be. That's love. When we say, no, love looks like this and like that, then we're keeping somebody from fully expressing themselves from being free. And then it's not love anymore. Yeah. There's a term in the polyamorous community called compersion. And I, as far as I can tell, it was honestly made up by the polyamorous community. And it means the joy that you feel in someone else's joy. And I've been playing around with the thought that that actually is the true meaning of love, or at least closer to the meaning of love than I was understanding. Just being excited about someone else being excited about something, you know, mm-hmm. feeling their joy for their joy, feeling the happiness for their happiness, and just kind of matching them where they are energetically and whatever. So I really like, I really like following that feeling. So if I find that I'm ever not feeling that, then I need to really quickly figure out where am I, where am I out of alignment? What is going on? Why am I not excited? If my partner is excited, what is holding me back from being excited about them? Yeah. Yeah. And this is screaming out inner child work to me because that's a lot of (laughs) my focus and my work as a therapist and comes up a lot in the show because it is the root of most of our limiting beliefs about life and ourself, which is that, oh, what? They're interested in somebody else. Like, what about me? Like, now I'm not going to get my needs met. There's not enough. Also, it's about scarcity mindset, right? Absolutely. Is that there's not enough. I need all of it. It needs to all go to me. And it's not true. No, there's no, love is fully infinite, but time is not, is not infinite. So I think what I've, from my experiences in this community for about a decade or so, a lot of times when people are feeling jealous or feeling like they're not enough, it's because they're not getting enough time and physical, like direct attention. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if someone else is seeing, if your partner's off seeing someone else, then you're worried that they're going to, you're not going to get as much of their time and attention also. Yeah. Yeah, which just leads back to communication and agreeing to terms, which is letting somebody know how you're feeling. That mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of time being devoted this, to this other person at this point, and I would like more, <laughs> whatever it is. Totally. Yeah. And that also takes a lot of inner child work to be able to articulate that in a in that way, it's in a really, mature way, in a mature way, and not. And not very demandy way. You're not setting rules or anything. You're just simply stating your needs. Yeah. yeah that can be <laughs> tough because it can elicit a pretty strong response in like the pit of your stomach when someone's like, I'm going to go to them. Totally. And to be, to sit with it and to ask the questions that need to be asked or to say the things that need to be said rather than responding from our fear, our trauma which can be to just want to push someone away to mm-hmm. say, well, that doesn't work for me. So now we're just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mature person who can have a successful non-monogamous, non-monogamous relationship, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Takes a lot of, com- a lot of compassion, a lot of communication. Yeah. Both you and your partner. Yeah. And then <laughs> you also talk about non-traditional family creation. So 
What is that? Because that's something I'm I'm really interested in. I had someone on my show. We we're talking about they they're really into intentional communities and sustainable communities, and we we got into sort of the idea of bringing back more of a village environment where there's not this sort of nuclear family idea where it's just you and your people and you hold them close, but we work together more. I know that, that might not be what you're talking about, but when I think of non-traditional, I get ex- about families, I get excited because I think that there are there are different ways to do it. And just as you were speaking, Lisa, to feeling like you're ready to leave the school system is that there are so many ways to do things differently than how we do them now. And I don't think, I know there are a lot of people who are working at it and having big conversations around it and have ideas. But for the most part, it feels like we're not making much progress in that way of exploring and implementing other routes, which I'll even go as further as far to say that I think they incorporate a lot of what I would call divine feminine principles, which is a lot of what my show is about, which is bringing back more of those sacred concepts about honoring life and honoring one another in love. And when I think about families doing that more, it's about seeing us as a, as a more open community of people that help each other out rather than just being like me and mine. And I look out for my people and that's it. Totally. I mean, I'm living that right now. So uh, we were just talking about how I live in the Bay Area. It's been raining all kinds, buckets, and Mm -hmm. our house got flooded. So we're now living temporarily with one of my partner's other partners. So we have a little bit of a village situation happening. She loves to take care of our little two-year-old. She has been super helpful. It's really While I don't like not having the space that I'm used to having, it's really nice to have, just be able to like take a breath sometimes, know that my kid is being taken care of well and that we can have someone we can rely on if we ever need a little bit of childcare here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And that is such a huge thing because, I mean, especially nowadays, you're hearing a lot. I know it's a huge thing where I'm living now in in Bend, Oregon, childcare is through the roof expensive, but also hard to find. People can't even get it. Even if they have the money to pay, it's there's these wait lists for childcare. Totally. Yeah. And 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 it like, ties in the same to housing. Housing is getting ridiculous. Most people in our generation are not in a position to buy homes a lot of the time and sometimes can't afford rent in their the area that they've been in. And we so they're needing to look at alternative ways of living. That is achievable and sustainable. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's so much. Yeah. And I was about to say something really, really good and it slipped my mind. (laughs) It'll come back to me. I hate when that happens. It's just like, yeah, yeah. But absolutely. Childcare is so much. This is what I was about to say. Um, I think the the discussion about feminism needs to shift a little bit to include the discussion instead of just accepting women, which absolutely needs to happen. I I really think we need to make more space in our community for raising family for the for the creation of family. It really feels like it's I could say a bunch of things, but I don't really want to because they'd all kind of be judgy. But there's just not the space that we need. To have that. So I also spent a couple of years in South America in a really rural area. And I absolutely loved uh, the way, like witnessing their family creation. There were a couple of groups of kids that I was told were brothers and sisters and cousins. And I honestly didn't really know who belonged to which parent because they all just kind of ran together. The parents all kind of wrote, like took care of them all together. It, it truly was a was a village situation, and they were all able to be able to run their businesses or their farms or whatever they did in that way. Like there was there was room for family raising, there was room for work. Everyone was happy. the The amount of happiness that I witnessed in South America during those couple of years was incredible. People would wonder, like, I mean, they didn't have much money, but they had a lot of. They did. They were super abundant. They had a lot of abundance. There was enough money. There was food around. There was enough food for their kids. There were they were lacking in other in other things. There was healthcare issues that they were starting to to experience, of course. But honestly, a lot of that was related to um, sort of developing of the nations, and that's a whole other conversation for later. But but 
Yeah. The, the, the functioning of the community as after, not even after, but with the acceptance of family in that way was incredible. I imagine. I imagine because that's so much more conducive to cooperation, another very divine feminine principle. And I'm not trying to keep bringing it back to that, but it's just that that's, I mean, the name of the podcast is Women Waken. So it's about that. (laughs) And it's just, I I do try to always find how it connects into almost every topic where we're talking about struggle and lack and thing systems that aren't working is because it's, it's lacking these much more feminine principles about honoring and holding life as being sacred rather than just trying to push things and make them as like structured because the idea is that the masculine energy is about structure and the feminine is more fluid. And so we're constantly trying to like package things and make them like fit a certain way. But the, but the reality is that things work a lot better when again, there's more freedom and there's more fluidity. So when people can open up their community, open up their doors and live in a way where if one person has to go out to the next town and get something that they, there's no question that their child will be taken care of. It's not like a, my doors are closed. This is my family type thing. And I mean, in a, in a lot of places in America, people don't even know their neighbors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Most places, right? So, and that's not a judgment. It's just an interesting observation, right? It's <laughs> like, hmm. and the question is always, is this working for us, right? Whether it's community, family, relationships, I imagine that's, and I'd like to get into this, is that's when people start asking about themselves about pursuing non-monogamy is maybe they're in monogamous, it's a hard word to say. (laughs) They're in a monogamous relationship and it's not, again, meeting their needs or not feeling right. So that kind of brings me into part of your work is also helping people do their inner work to find true alignment in their relationships and with themselves Mm -hmm. and with others, which I love because that's what I'm all about. But Mm -hmm. it's making me think like, I imagine that you work with people who are saying, I don't know if I'd be able to do non-monogamy, but I also don't know if I'm monogamous. Like, I don't know if I want that either. So, and so when you speak to helping people find true alignment, I would imagine it's about helping people to release a lot of the messaging and conditioning we receive, which is, this is what a partnership is. This is what a marriage is. Anything outside of that is not right. It's not real. It's whatever. So, Mm -hmm. But I'd love to hear from you, like, what is that kind of what you're doing with people in Mm -hmm. helping them find their true alignment in relationships with self? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so including getting rid of the definitions of all those things that you mentioned at that point, I also help people to just kind of get rid of the definition of polyamory and non-monogamy as well. Just what, how do you want to relate to a person? What is it that you want? And then we kind of get into the nitty gritty at that point, figuring out why? Why do they want to connect with people? What is driving them to be excited about people? What makes them excited about the people around them right now? Uh, And at some point you kind of get into the logistics. Do you have time to see people often? Do you kind of build your relationship from from the ground up in that way? Or at least build your personal framework of relationship, trying to keep it as fluid as possible, but just understanding what you need to get out of relationships with people. And even that phrase, get out of, I don't necessarily love, but what is it that you, you know, what, again, it's just why do you want to be in a relationship? Do you want to have children? Do you want to live with someone? Do you want to live with two people and maybe have some interesting love connections in there? So... Yeah. So once you get to the point where you can really acknowledge all of that in yourself, then that's where the real inner work comes from, comes in being able to, because a lot of times people say, oh, I want that, but I can't do it. I want to be able to live with two people. Maybe I'll be in love together, but there's no way. So anytime that that comes up, then we have to really look into why, why not? What is holding you back? Is it, it's usually a fear of criticism of society, losing loved ones, or wanting to do something outside the norm like that. It's a lot of inner work to be able to kind of own these feelings that are so different from other people. And you're right. I, I'm definitely privileged to live where I live because it's not that different from a lot of people around here. You know, I didn't even really have to worry about losing friends when I 
finally was able to kind of talk to talk about it. But some people do absolutely have to worry about that. So, so it's a lot of inner work to be able to accept it. And then also to just learn how to talk about it. In your work, do you speak with others about your own experience? Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Would you like to share that with us about how you've navigated and or figured out your true alignment and authenticity in, in this regard? Sure. That's a really long story. I think a shortened version of it would be about 10 or 12 years ago, shortly after I came back from South America, one of my friends told me that she and her partner had decided to have an open relationship because they had moved apart. She needed to be in one place. He needed to be in the other place. And they were having trouble kind of feeling satisfied romantically because they weren't able to see each other very much. So so they did their thing, but then she told me about it and I it kind of just clicked for me. Like that is... That's the game that I want to play. This other game, this monogamy game, this having one relationship at a time situation, that didn't feel right to me. So it did take me quite a while to really settle into that and kind of figure out how it should be for me. I kind of just did this whole process with myself that I was just talking to you about. I had to kind of learn learn all the various ways that you could be non-monogamous, and there are a million, billion different ways. And then I just kind of explored. That was 11 years ago. And now I've been with my partner for five and a half years. And I've learned that for me, polyamory is more about the acceptance of love and not necessarily needing to have many sources of love around me. Like I don't need to have a whole bunch of partners at one time to feel polyamorous. I really only have one and sometimes a couple other people that I can, I see, but we're all so busy that we don't really want to like devote that much time to each other on a regular basis, but we really love to see each other when we are able to see each other. So that's the kind of relationship that I like to have. I think about my, my child as a partnership, but certainly not a, it's a mother daughter partnership, but it's also like, that's absolutely a relationship that I think about not super differently from my other partners, obviously. There are some things that we, it's a mother-daughter partnership, but it's still, a, it's a connection, a love connection mm-hmm. in a very different way. So it's it's been more just recognizing that there are, that there's lots of love and possibilities around us, even in our friendships, right? Like our friendships can be very deeply, we wouldn't necessarily call them intimate, but still very intimate. Like you're still very close. People are friends for decades and decades, and that's that's a form of love. So for me, it's been more about just accepting the flow of love around me and not needing to necessarily have con- like the con- have connections that I decide are certain ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. That's a <laughs> beautiful expression of what you're you're doing and your path. And I think it's wonderful for people to be able to hear that, that it can be something that you can, can come into your awareness and you can explore it and it, it can work for people and even be preferable for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. So Lisa, you also talk about as a coach, you work with people on habit building to mm-hmm. promote self-love and confidence. And another thing I'm all about is helping people to really release these binds that hold us back, these these false beliefs about ourselves that we're not good enough, that we can't feel good about ourselves, that we're not worthy of love or acceptance or success or any of this. So when we're able to promote that in someone, I feel like it also ties into being able to be more honest about yourself or open to alternative types of living and relationships and love because so as we were speaking to so much of that comes from a lack of self-love if we don't love ourselves then that develops that codependent situation where you're you're using relationships to kind of siphon validation and worthiness right and so that's i think that's also a barrier for a lot of people for non-monogamy is they see it as you, I need this, like this, uh, this is my bloodline right here. Like this is keeping me going. 
I'm not saying it's true for everyone, but for a lot of us, if you don't have self-confidence or self-love, you will seek it out from others. So hence the great importance of people being self-sufficient when it comes to tapping into, because it's nothing you have to create. It's all right there, right? Like self-love is innate in all humans. We just don't believe it. So we, if you don't believe something's there, you're never going to find it, right? <laughs> totally. Even if it's sitting right in plain sight. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we work on a lot of, a variety of different kinds of habits. And in the beginning, it's a lot of just kind of reminding yourself of what you what you do believe for yourself kind of on the daily. We talk a lot about affirmations. I think about those pretty pretty strongly as it's kind of helping you to to reprogram or to program out the beliefs that have been built into you, the limiting beliefs. You want to it's a great way to bring those out and to replace them with what you do actually believe. And then just little habits that you need and habits of mind, but also just kind of nice habits. How do you take care of yourself when your partner's out and you're feeling bad about it? Little things that you, instead of trying to ignore it, going into your phone or into your computer or into food or whatever, how can you habitually take care of yourself and still be thriving in your relationships when you're not feeling so great? Yeah. And and reprogramming the beliefs around around negative feelings like that. Like I think we tell ourselves that feeling bad about something, like if my partner is out and I feel bad about it, then I have to make sure that never happens again. The but it's I think it can be a lot more subtle than that. I don't think we need to take necessarily these big drastic measures of never letting our partners and we can't let our partners, but never like being okay with our partners going out or never wanting to even feel that negative feeling again, but just kind of being able to self-soothe yourself. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it's about being self-sufficient, right? It's about having your own source and not having someone else be, and being able to check in with yourself to have tools that when, because we all will experience so, we're going to feel some type of way about certain things sometimes, right? The, the crux is, again, to have tools where you can say, okay, I identify this. I see what's going on. They're out with somebody else. I'm feeling a little bit of sadness this time. I'm feeling, so we identify it and we say, well, what's underneath that, right? Well, it's because I haven't seen them very much at all in the past three weeks. I'm starting to feel a bit neglected. Okay, so that means conversation is needed. Communication is needed. And I, I've spoken about this in my, in um, solo episodes is that the biggest thing is to not make it about us, to not let it tap into those, those false beliefs that it's, well, it's because I'm not attracted to them enough. It's because they don't like or love me a lot enough. It's because of a deficit. And we have to check ourselves and say, no, that's the fear talking. That's insecurity talking. How can I tap into the loving part of me? That's always affirming that nothing anybody does changes my value and who I am. So it's, you can look at it objectively, which is all I know is that he is spending another time with someone else today and I'm feeling sad. That's it. Nothing further <laughs> until you can you confirm it. You talk to somebody else, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We can create all kinds of stories in our minds about that. Oh and yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, the episode I did was actually more about dating and like the crazy stories we can make up about when people don't call us or when people don't want to mm -hmm. see us anymore, when somebody is like hot and cold. And usually it's not very nice stories. It's, no. oh, did I say the wrong thing? Did I wear the wrong thing? Did I, and it's, when you stop to think about it, it's like, talk about being true to yourself and in alignment. If we're being true and in alignment, then it doesn't matter if we said the wrong thing or wore the wrong thing, because then that person is just not for us. But we tend to go into this place of, okay, what do I need to change? Like, what could I do different to like contort and meet this person? And that's a big part of growth is moving away from that, right? Because you're, again, you're never going to find a harmonious relationship or healthy relationship in that sort of energy. Not at all. No. And that's all about self-love, right? Feeling confident yep. in yourself, loving yourself enough to be yeah. able to say, yep, I did what I needed to do. That was really cool. I was fully myself moving on. Yep. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, good stuff here. And then on the last note, because again, I'm spiritual and into all this, trusting in the universal laws to kind of alleviate some of our doubts, our fears is something that you do and that you mm -hmm. focus on. So tell us about how you incorporate that in your work. Yeah. Ooh, well, I, we talk a lot about the the law of attraction, which isn't necessarily a universal law, but is based on universal law. Mm -hmm. That whatever you are sort of, whatever frequency you're vibrating at will attract something else that is vibrating at the same frequency. So we talk a lot about making sure that you're feeling at a high frequency, at the right frequency that, you've, that you're excited about. We talk a lot about recognizing any low frequency stuff that happening in your life and wondering why did you attract that? How did, what are you doing to attract that kind of stuff? So we talk a lot about that. And then there's a few other sort of accepted universal laws that we talk about. That's the biggest one though. We talk a lot about just the fact that uh, as long as you are, are feeling in alignment with what it is that you want it's and you're affirming, it's going to happen. It might take a little while, but it's going to happen. And so just trusting and a lot of trusting in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that seems to be the common thread amongst everything is checking in with and trusting in yourself and not, and moving away from the constant questioning. Right. Totally. But again, that takes a strong sense of self, a strong alignment with ourselves, honesty with ourselves and love. All this kind of actually reminds me of when, if you talk to a child and if they're upset about something, you, you want to approach it gently and ask them questions. Well, how do you feel about that? Well, would you, is that what you really want? Well, why do you think that you reacted that way? These are all ways that we could talk to ourselves in order to feel more attuned and be able to follow a path that you also speak of, which is following and acting on your purpose. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note about the child, you know, you can, all you have to do with a child is just talk through that feeling and then it goes away and we can do that with ourselves too. It's just, they do not hold grudges. These kids just don't do it. We don't have to either. We don't need to hold on to all that. But yeah, in terms of living in your purpose, once you kind of figure out like what it is that you want in life, what's kind of like the high vibe stuff that you're into once you kind of get your inner world figured out, you can start to figure out what your outer world, what you want that to look like mm -hmm. and then connect with that and make that your your purpose and your alignment and your goal. I, I, it's almost like a mantra to myself, but I always say as within and so without. And I think there's even more to that phrase, but it's just whatever's inside of you is also outside of you uh, just because that's how it is. Somehow we attracted each other into our lives. We attracted where we live into, into our lives. Whatever's inside of us is also outside of us. So if, if there's something outside of you that you don't love, it might take a little bit to like swallow the pride to accept that that kind of came out of some, something, some decision that you made maybe previously, or maybe you're still making it. Um, but then you just get to decide to make a shift if that's what you want to do. I think a lot of our, I think a lot of, a lot of our, I don't like the word issues, but a lot of things that kind of hold us back is our is a little bit of a lack of decision. And, and I, I'm constantly looking back to my little two-year-old too, because she makes decisions like this. She never wavers on her decisions. She is there. And she does not get indecisive about anything. She does not have the patience, and I don't think she knows how to do it. And she's a pretty happy little kid, you know? So I want to, I really want to be able to embody the deciding that once you notice something that wasn't feeling so great, decide. Mm -hmm. how to get, how to move that out of your life and then kind of get closer to your purpose, your goal, whatever that is. Definitely. And that comes right back to self-love because we often keep things in our life that don't feel good because mm -hmm. we believe that we need to prove something. Maybe it's that this person doesn't treat me right yet. I want them to want me or I want them to accept me or I want them to approve of me. And instead of saying, no, thanks, this person doesn't really seem to like me that much. Why would I want to hang out with them? And it seems crazy, but I've done that a million times. I did that last week. I do it every day. <laughs> like it happens often. And, and I, you got to start asking if we're operating from that place of wholeness, of self-love, 
why would we allow something to stay in our field and our energy that's not serving us? And the quicker, like you said, the quicker you let that out, the more you get in alignment and attract things that we're wanting in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I also ju- just need to comment on the remark you made about as within is with, as without is the, I, there's also a notion that when whoever you encounter, you're meeting yourself. Right. So just like you said, we bring people into our life because they are you. We're mm-hmm. all one. What's within us is is what we appears physically, right? So we're just meeting a different version, a different facet of ourselves. And everybody we meet teaches us a little more about ourselves and helps us see ourselves more clearly. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. And just like how we wouldn't want to have someone else force us to change, we also something you said made me think about asking people to change. Like we're not going to just force ourselves to change. We can't ask other people to change either. So if someone's not acting the way you want, we can't just expect them to change or wait for them to change. They're just not gonna. Yeah. At least not because we want them to. And, but we think that we can get them to sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. And that gets us in big, but yeah, it's like, again, another divine feminine principle is like, you know, a quote that I love says, be like the trees because birds come and birds go and they have no preference either way. They just let things come and go. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that. You you let someone comes in, they don't real. it's not a match and they fly away. And we, but we tend to chase after it. We're like, well, this, this job should have worked out. This pursuit should have worked out. This opportunity, this house, this, all these things. We're not good at being a tree. We're all, the <laughs> we got to work on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Lisa, this has been such a fun and beautiful conversation. I knew it would be fabulous because you are fabulous and a wonderful, wonderful person in this world speaking to things that are important, so intelligent and bright and open in your sharing. So thank you for being you and congratulations on taking the step to being self-employed, entrepreneur, (laughs) starting your own business. How exciting is that? Thank you. So exciting. (laughs) And for people listening who would love to learn more about you and your work and potentially connect with you, how can they find you? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. I am there on Living Harmoniously. And they can, if you go there, you can also book a a free call if you want to chat about anything that we talked about or anything that came up for you. I'd love to chat with people. Fantastic. Great. All right, Lisa. Well, thank you again so much. Absolutely. Take care. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to let your light shine and to keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.